What up, everybody? This is your host, Jonathan Mads, for Radio Free Nintendo. We're up to episode 170, and uh, we got a three-man crew. We're on the, the skeleton crew this week. We're going light. We're running light here. We're running lean. I've got with me, back for the second week in a row, John Lindeman. Stay frosty. Yep. And uh, welcome back, James. Hey. Hey. It's been a while, man. Yeah. James, that, that was a great rap last week, by the way. That was horrifying. <laughs> Acts of destruction were committed when I heard that this morning. Mm-hmm. Oh, I loved it. It was. It started, and then I went, oh, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> like, all I could oh, think yes. of. yes. I let this happen. <laughs> That's what happens. There was, there was a, a power vacuum. You weren't there to stop it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I am responsible for this. Oh, gosh. Yes, you pulled the trigger. And uh, you might have noticed Greg is not here this week. Uh, we're we're uh, very sorry to be missing him this time. Actually, it's funny. It's not even that he had a prior commitment or any kind of conflict. It's just he had to do something early tomorrow morning. And uh, as our regular listeners will know, Greg stays up insanely late, like 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning to uh, record this show with us because he's obviously several time zones away. And uh, and uh, he, he just felt like uh, this... this whatever meeting he has, he didn't really want to show up to it on one hour of sleep. And I can't blame him for that. So he should be back next time. So actually next week I'm going to be gone. I'll be in Germany, which I'm really excited about. But unfortunately due to the time delay and jet lag, it's actually kind of a travel thing for me travel day. There's no way I'm going to be able to do the show and uh, I'm going to miss it, but I'll just have to take a little vacation there. We're never going to have the full staff back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, never. after that's Thanksgiving's, we're not sure if we're going to do a show that week or not. Anyway, bear with us. It's a week to week thing here and it's just a matter of getting everybody lined up. So anyway, uh, we're going to uh, jump in a new business here and James, you're up first with, I don't know, what do, what do you think, Cop the Recruit? Is it up there with Miami Nights, Disaster Day of Crisis? Well, let's go ahead and start with The Last Remnant so I can get it out of the way. Okay. So, first off, let me say about this game, now that I've, you know, because I only played it a few days when I was last on the show about four and a half years ago. This game is brutally long. I mean, it, it took me until about a week and a half after we recorded to get to the end of the first disc. And there's a second freaking disc. And I had been on that disc for a week and just found and thought, you know, I'm near the end. Obviously. I mean, they're they're queuing up bosses for me to fight one after another after another. This has gotta be the end of the No. There's a whole nother like half the disc after where I'm at. So this game may very well last in excess of a month as my primary game. And the way you play games, I mean, that's saying a lot. Mm-hmm. Cause you did beat Leighton in like one day, right? I did <laughs> so- Leighton in three days, yes. So you're you're looking forward to the last remnant of the last remnant. Yeah, it's um <laughs> like I want it to end, but I'm enjoying it. If that makes sense, like like it's just it's too damn long. Mm-hmm. And there's hundreds of these little quests beyond the main quest that you think are optional. But I was going along at a nice pace through the first disc, and then I got to the last boss, and he just annihilated me in nothing. It was it was like. He was cutting bread. It was ridiculous. So you have to do the side quest to grind up to him? Yes, but the game punishes you for grinding because, kind of going back to our difficulty discussion, as you level up, so do your enemies. I hate that. That is so lame. I hate that so much in RPGs. It was was bad. So I'm going through the quests, and I find this this quest, and, you know, they talk about going to find this amazing remnant. I'm like, oh, damn, I'm going to find a new remnant. 
I want to be able to beat the crap out of anybody now. I go do this quest, wander through a cave, and then you have to fight this big-ass dragon. I'm like, all right, I'm going to take this bitch down. You could reach this quest half the game ago. He's going to be easy. Wiped out in one turn. (laughs) Because he's been leveling up with you? No, because he's harder than the boss at the end of the disc. Oh, okay. He's like the uh, like the Omega weapon, or whatever. he's a bitch, yeah. is what he is. <laughs> so I had to grind doing the other quests. I completed every quest on the first disc. Came back to this quest as the last quest. Beat him. Beat the boss of the disc, and thought, "Thank God, it's over." And there's another fucking boss right after him. I'm like, uh-huh. "Are you kidding me?" Beat that, and then I got to go to the second disc, which is now basically a boss rush, and they're all hard as hell with completely insane attacks. Sounds awful. And the problem is, everything else is easy. It's like, easy level, easy level, easy level, soul-crushing boss. And you are playing this voluntarily. Yes, because I, I enjoy that, that sense of satisfaction when I kill one of these bastards. Shades of Pokemon a Mystery Dungeon. No, because I didn't enjoy any part of that game. I was actually thinking James is really going to love Monster Hunter. Yeah, I think he will. Out. I think so. I see, I've never played a Monster Hunter game. Yeah, I haven't either, but, you know, from what John has said about it and from what, you know, I hear other people... I mean, I don't know how hard or how unbalanced it is compared to The Last Remnant, but you you like grinding through really difficult enemies, and I think that's pretty much what Monster Hunter is. It pretty much is. Well, the thing is with Monster Hunter, you... I mean, it's it's not really... It's not unfair. It's just that mm-hmm. to beat a monster, you have to do a certain thing, and if you don't know how to do it or don't know what you're doing, you're screwed. That's exactly what this game is. I mean, it's it, there's a lot of trial and error involved in Monster Hunter because you have to learn what the monsters are weak against. Well, see, it's not so much what they're weak, what these are weak against. It's that they employ specific strategies, and most of the bosses have a skill. Mm-hmm. It's it's sort of like the limit break from the Final Fantasy series, where it's a skill that is completely unfair and decimates you if you allow it. It just it sounds really old school, you know. It it, it is in a lot of ways, and that's not surprising considering it's you know, it was a Square team that developed it. And yeah. I mean. I've sworn a lot at that game, but not but yeah, out of anger, but not out of upset anger, just straight up anger. James, I have, I have a question. I mean, you're obviously playing here a um, sort of a current generation RPG, mm-hmm. which there haven't been very many great ones, you know. No. Um, I don't know if you've played Lost Odyssey or Blue Dragon that's, or anything. That's on that. the list, I, but no, I Okay. Haven't. It's kind of on my list, too. I'm, I don't really know what to expect, but are you excited about Final Fantasy 13 cuz that is kind of the first major one. I, I am, generation. but it's kind of a tempered excitement. I, I haven't mm-hmm. pl- been in the franchise for, you know, 5 years. Yeah. Maybe even longer than that. I didn't play the last Final Fantasy game. Let's put oh, it you skipped 12? Yeah. But 12 is really good and you know since you've been going back and and playing some recent ones, if you have a PS2 or access to a PS2, I would say you really should check out 12 because I can guarantee it's better than the last remnant. <laughs> And it's better than, you know, probably those other Xbox RPGs I just mentioned, too. So um, if you really kind of want to get in the spirit and sort of get pumped up for 13, I think you should probably go check out 12. Well, at least you would it's you really would know cool. that those games at least got the A-team on them. Yeah. See, I, oh, yeah. I, I, as I understand it, Lost Odyssey is a considerably more polished game than The Last Remnant. Oh, I'm sure it is. Isn't, yeah. isn't that surprising? Because The Last Remnant, even though it's fun and it's, it's a good title and... You know, there there's some some good things going on there. Did not polish well, and a lot of those Square RPGs live and live and die by their polish. Okay, well, uh, tell us about your new DS. I guess you're reviewing this. Yes, right? I am reviewing Cop the Recruit, which which is actually C O P 
in all caps. Is that your is that your character's name? Cop. No, Yo, your, cop. Your, your character's <laughs> name is uh he, he's a uh, Ray from Disaster Day of Crisis. I'm really? sorry, he's not. He's uh he's he's Dan Miles who every time I look at him I just think, You could have been in disaster, you bastard. I mean it's it's just ridiculous. He's he's a street thug turned cop. He's out to save the city. I, I describe the game in ten words as following. Blaze up the city, steal cars, slam them into everything. Because that's pretty much that's the entire pretty much what the police do, right? Of course. Sounds yeah, on, on my yeah, block. And, and, and you're the cop. <laughs> yeah. Did I mention that you are the titular cop slash titular recruit? Because right. So the cop is blowing up the city. So you get you get a call and you go do whatever you you're asked to deal with. So you're gonna be like, "There's a car with suspicious men wearing black masks in your area." What? The hell kind of call is that? So you go you go. <laughs> and you have to chase them through the city and ram the back of their car enough times to disable them. Not the front of their car, not the side of their car. Can you, you the shoot at their car? The I mean, car. is that the only way? No, there's no shooting. There's no shooting in the game at all? No, no, while you're driving. Oh, okay. And not just ram them. You have to hit them right from behind with the front of your car. I've slammed into the side of them and just whoosh, nothing. But um, when you do that, then you have to go into this really awkward first-person shooting, third-person shooting hybrid thing that you control with the DS stylus on the touchscreen. It just doesn't work. But essentially, it's as a cop, you're either ramming your car into fleeing criminals, pedestrians in traffic, eh, don't worry about it, or entering every bank and convenience store in the city to blaze up a bunch of thugs. That's basically it. I mean, <laughs> I've killed like 50 thugs in like a day and a half. Oh, yeah. Like, like Penny Arcade is, has kind of uh, made some really good comments about uh, Uncharted, being that Nathan Drake, the, the main character in Uncharted, he seems like a really nice, funny guy. You know, like, he seems to get along really well with the other characters and everything. But then the gameplay involves him shooting hundreds and hundreds of people <laughs> yes. until they are dead. So he's, he's pretty much a mass murderer serial killer with a really great personality. With a heart of gold, so to speak. Right. I, I'm a mass murderer serial killer who also happens to deliver fortune cookies to the state prison. I mean, this game is... <laughs> This game is badly written. I mean, it is unimaginably badly written. And I sent a, I sent a quote to the staff that, that I think John enjoyed. <laughs> There's a certain word in there that I really, really loved. Yes. All right. So I helped some guy get his car back from a secret casino mm -hmm. in a warehouse. I don't know why his car was in this casino, Always but he's a drug a dealer. Casino. So I got him his car back, and he said, quote, You did good by me. You've earned some head gold, knowledge, money of the streets. <laughs> And my first, my first response, and I said this out loud at work while I was playing it at my desk during lunch, holy shit. <laughs> like, that was the only thing that came out of my mouth. Holy shit. <laughs> There's other great phrases like when I was getting ready to go raid a bank, quote, time to go pop a rock. And, oh, God. And in a conversation where I was asked to deliver this fortune cookie to a guy in jail, no explanation given. Like, my character responds, quote, thanks, I'll give him no problem. What? That's what he responds. It's it, supposed to, I'll give it to him, no problem. It's thanks, I'll give him, comma, no problem. <laughs> and, then, and then when you bring oh, the fortune man. cookie to the guy in jail, he responds, oh, another one of these? Do you want it? And then your character goes, sure, I never turned down a fortune cookie. No one <laughs> ever fuck? discusses the fortune cookie ever again. And this then, is surreal. This is surreal. 
This, is, this like, is like from the writers of Katamari Damashi. It mm-hmm. makes no sense. Like, like I don't know who VD where VD Dev is based, but they're clearly not in an English speaking country. <laughs> no, if on the planet at all, really. Oh man. <laughs> there's there's a great there's a great scene in the in the game where you're chasing down your chief son through subway stations of New York City. I don't. He he ran away when you told him you're here to take him to his counselor. <laughs> he later refers to as a dweeb. Dweeb, really? I haven't heard that word in when he a runs decade. off. Your character says to himself, "Technically, comma, not cool." I'm like, technically <laughs> wow. not cool. Is it is it technically not cool or really not cool? Because this game is really not cool. <laughs> I am really not having fun playing this game. So, in terms of gameplay, I, I you know this was actually shown at Nintendo's E3 press conference. Um, as, you know, an example of what third parties are doing on the DS. And I felt like they sort of presented it as a GTA kind of clone, which was interesting in that, you know, Chinatown Wars was had just come out, which obviously, you know, did the overhead thing. It wasn't trying to replicate the console GTAs, whereas Cop looked like it was kind of going for, you know, a a fairly authentic adaptation of GTA 4 or something like that. Oh, yeah, it is. I mean, graphically, it's... Stunning. I, I might nominate it for a graphics award for the site, but I'd have to get the taste of bile out of my mouth first. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was a great E3 demo because I didn't play the E3 demo, but just looking at it, I can tell this would demo really well and then review not as well because mm-hmm. it, it looks good and you think, okay, well, this is a decent title. It's got promise. And then you play it and you're like, oh, oh no. Oh no, what happened? <laughs> oh dear. So it, it's like there is like a GTA overworld. It's set in New York, as as I pointed out earlier, and you have to drive every fucking where. I mean, everywhere. There's no mass transit or anything, so that gets really old. And you you, you do appropriate cars for the police, which and then destroy them as you try to get from place to place. And then appropriate a new car so you can finish getting there. And but basically, the problem is all the quests are essentially drive to point A, ram car, get out. Go into bank, shoot up criminals. In the story, I suppose it gets it gets more diverse as you go on because you're you're out to stop a terrorist group whose name I don't want to say because you won't believe me if I say it. Uh, you can, I will not allow any commentary after I say the name of this terrorist group. The okay. terrorist group is named Bomb Zombie. I'm just gonna leave that there. Just mm-hmm. just set that aside. Mm-hmm. But I mean, basically. There's nothing to do GTA-ish. I mean, the idea of a GTA game is that there are things to do in the city. Well, the idea is that it's kind of a living world right? With it, it, people in it who react to what you do, right? Yeah, or, whereas what you have, you have these sprites that you can't run over in your car that just run out of your way. And Yes, I tried. Uh, is it is this rated T? Uh, Yes. That explains a lot. Yes. And, I mean, there are cars on the street and stuff. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. And, it's you know, it's a, the city looks nice, but... You, can't really interact with it besides seeing people run away in fear every time you drive a car towards the sidewalk. Go figure. Well, this sounds like a real winner. <laughs> this game might get a six based entirely on its graphics. I mean, mm. it's, it's pulling it out of like the five four range. You get a ten based yeah. on bomb zombie. <laughs> I just, I, I don't know, but it's awful. It really is. Okay. There's just so so many things wrong with this game. But I want to point out one thing here. This is the danger of giving out E3 awards, because right on the box is emblazoned the phrase, winner of three E3 awards. So this is why we should never give awards. <laughs> it's, it's like a, 
what was it? When one magazine gave like a positive preview to the Xbox game Azeric, and then like three months later they gave it like a two. <laughs> and they had, they had to write a mea culpa as their editorial for the month. Well, well, sorry, we didn't know it was going to be this bad. Yeah, we didn't know, but I'm going out to buy a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh God. IGN gave it best action game and best graphics technology. So I'll go next for a new business. And, well, I wrapped up a few things. I beat Mario and Luigi. Um, really good ending, although the final boss is, took a little longer than I would have liked. But really good ending. I finished Uncharted 1. Um, still haven't started Uncharted 2 yet. Um, and, the, and the reason I haven't started that yet is because I've had Metal Gear Solid 4 for rental, and I wanted to play through that before I start something else. So that's the main thing I've been playing this week is is MGS4. And, you know, it's just when I picked up a PS3, it was one of the games I wanted to catch up on. And, and I'm not a huge fan of Metal Gear, but I did play the first three. I pl- Well, I played Twin Snakes on GameCube. After I might have mentioned this before, but I tried to rent the PS1 version when it was new, a long time ago, ten years ago. Um, I tried to rent the, uh, the the PS1 version of Metal Gear Solid a couple of times and never got more than like 30 minutes into it. I mean, it's just impenetrable to me. And I finally, years later, uh, borrowed Twin Snakes from a friend with this with the strategy guide for it and played through it, basically just reading out of the strategy guide what to do. And Honestly, that's what I needed because it taught me to play that game. Yeah. Because those games don't play the way you would expect them to. You think, oh man, I just got to sneak through here. If I get down on, you know, get down on the ground and crawl around and maybe use my tranquilizer gun on that dude, you will die. I mean, it, it just like it seems like that's how it should work, but that's not actually how the game works. The game actually works by you run through and kill everybody. Pretty much. One by one. Yeah, what well, the thing is, like, I, I always play through those games, but my, my patience is very low for some mm-hmm. reason. I, I just I find it hard to sit there and play them for like hours on end, like like some other games. Right. Yeah, I mean they're totally fucking ludicrous for mm-hmm. one thing. Just the the story, which is you know, and, and there are a lot of games with silly stories, but no game beats you over the head with it like Metal Gear does. No. The story, it, it's tough for me because on one hand, it's interesting. Like, I like the military political ramifications of what's going on. I like some of the sci-fi elements of, you know, Solid Snake is a clone of Big Boss and Liquid Snake is the other clone and they're they're sort of brothers, but they're fighting against each other. And there's some weird stuff with nano machines. And I mean, I, this stuff, it doesn't bother me. But it is so over the top. They explain yeah. everything three times, and it's still confusing because it's way too complicated. And they introduce a lot of characters who really don't seem necessary, mm-hmm. and a lot of plot points and tangents. And I mean, it's just like Snake will be in the middle of a battle, and suddenly his codec will ring, this little thing in his ear, and Otacon, the basically Q from James Bond, he'll call and be like, Snake, did you know this? And they'll end up having a 10-minute conversation about bullshit. Yeah. While Snake is supposed to be in the middle of a boss <laughs> battle. It's just stupid. It's like you knew, it's like it's something like his codec will ring and it'll be like, yeah, Snake, have you ever watched King Kong? No. No, I haven't. <laughs> oh, well, at the end of King Kong, the ape climbs to the top of, you know, the, you know... Uh, Empire State Building, John. They go off into some, pho- like, philosophical... John needs a codec just to talk about his codec messages. It's just so stupid. Yeah, I mean, it's funny to a point, but I think it goes way beyond that point most of the time. When I have my second life as a game developer, I'm just going to interrupt every boss battle with, like, 1930s cartoons. Just right in the middle of it. <laughs> 
just wait for the next Metal Gear because that'll probably happen. I'm gonna get a 10.0 by this rate. So I just I think the series is so overrated. I just it is now, it. yeah. And, and mainly mainly for me, it's a combination of the two parts of it. The gameplay I think is okay. It's not really my cup of tea, but it has its moments. Usually the boss battles are pretty good. A lot of the sneaking stuff I find to be broken. And the gunplay has never been good in the past. In in 4, it's actually pretty decent. So the game ends up playing kind of like Gears of War. It's not as good as Gears of War, the gunplay. But you do have a lot more guns to play with. A lot, a lot of different kinds of guns, different models with different characteristics. So if you like experimenting and finding a gun that you really like, there, it has that going for it. The problem is the enemies are still absolutely morons. And it's funny because part of the story is about how the the war economy has developed uh, these super soldiers who, you know, they have enhanced senses and enhanced strength and they feel no pain and they fight for any cause that you tell them to. And there's supposed to be these super soldiers all over the battlefield and those are basically the enemies in the game and you can walk up right behind them and shoot them in the face. I mean, they're <laughs> idiots. You can reload yeah. your gun right next to a guy and he won't even hear it. And that's the thing. I mean... They've definitely improved the controls a lot. The game is, you know, the viewpoint, the camera, the controls are, they're still a little clunky sometimes, but they're much, much better than before. But the problem there, I think, is that because you're no longer really fighting against the game as you play it, all of the really antiquated design stuff and the artificial intelligence and all of that, it really becomes a lot more obvious. So could you argue that by fixing the gunplay, they've actually made the game less good? No. I thought the sneaking was always terrible in the other ones, too. It's just that the gunplay isn't very good either. The problem is they improved the the control, but they didn't improve the, the design. They didn't improve the no. environment design as to where the guys are standing. They didn't improve the intelligence of the enemies, you know, who are supposed to be shooting at you with their super enhanced vision and reflexes and everything. Yeah, And I'm playing on normal difficulty, you know. I'm not... I don't have it on super easy or anything. So, whatever. I mean, the game... It's not terrible and it's actually easy enough this time that i don't have to go to the game facts every five minutes like i did with two and three but usually all i'm looking for is how do i get to the exit because the 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 game is set up it's weird i mean like technologically it's very amazing the graphics are very 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 good the sound design is excellent the environments are usually pretty interesting and the, the game throws a fair bit of variety at you in terms of sometimes you're kind of trying to get around explosives, there's mines on the ground, sometimes you're sniping, sometimes you're riding on top of a tank and shooting dudes with your machine gun. I mean, there's a lot of variety in what you do, but the game is broken up into these small map sections. And, I mean, really small, like you can usually run across them in, in a minute or two, yeah. and then it loads. Yeah, I mean, most of the time, the only reason to really explore entire areas is just to find some of the hidden, like the unlockable kind of stuff. Maybe, different different yeah. costumes. And that's really the only reason why you would ever want to explore an entire map. Right. It, it's just like, I mean, and this has been a problem in the whole series, I think, but it's especially a problem in 4, is that the game gives you a lot of really cool stuff to use, and it gives you a lot of interesting gameplay possibilities, but it doesn't actually encourage you to use any of them. You know, it doesn't guide you along a certain path. It gives you almost too much freedom, you know? It gives you 50 guns. Well, mm -hmm. that kind of makes it so you don't really have to learn to use any of them. You can just kind of pick one that's easy to use and keep buying ammo for it. 
So the game ends up feeling really simple because that's, I mean, it's a bit like Scribble Knots, you know, how we talked about. It's like there's so much stuff that you can do in the game, but the game doesn't really direct you to use that stuff to really explore what it's what's being offered and it's frustrating enough that you end up going to take the path of least resistance mm-hmm. and that's exactly what happens in MGS4 I get in an area all I really care about is how do I get to the other side to the next load point and it's usually not that hard and usually you can just run by the enemies or maybe shoot a few of them yep so all these underground passageways and you know you can climb up to the rooftop and jump over some gaps and sneak around the back here and throw a flash grenade to blind some dudes while you run across the street you'll never do any of that stuff because it's completely unnecessary as cool as it is mm-hmm. so yeah that's that's my issue with it the other thing is the story is I actually think the story is probably better in this one than it is in the previous games, mm-hmm. but it's still way over the top. It's so preposterous. Yesterday, I sat through literally 45 minutes of cutscenes. Yeah. 45 minutes of cutscenes doing nothing. And then it started the next level, and I'm like, oh, finally, I can move my character. Yeah. And he takes three steps forward, and it plays another two-minute cutscene. <laughs> yeah, that's that game in a nutshell, man. And that's the thing. I mean, that's that's my problem with that game, with that whole series now is the fact that there are so many things in it that are just completely, like I said, preposterous, but yet it takes itself yeah. so seriously. Like, everything is so dramatic. Hideo Kojima, he needs an editor. He needs someone to God. say no every now and then. Because he clearly, he doesn't have anyone like that. He has absolute, total creative freedom, and you can't have that. Even the Beatles had a producer telling them, guys, Maybe you shouldn't try. Maybe you should do this a different way. L- little, little less, little less drugs in your decision making, please. Mm-hmm. Kojima doesn't have that. It's obvious. This game is so. What's the word? It, it, it's indulgent. Yeah, it's, it's indulgent. indulgent. Is what it is. <laughs> yeah. this I mean, is it's, what it's Kojima I saying, "I've got unlimited budget to make whatever game I want to." Limits, restrictions are good for creativity. You need to, you need to have boundaries to work within. It makes you more efficient. It leads you to do things you wouldn't have done otherwise. And, I, I mean, I think the guy is brilliant, but that doesn't mean he should be making the games the way that he is. Well, as long as his games continue to sell, they're not going to stop him. I mean, why would they? Yeah. I guess so. I guess so. I mean, I just don't understand why so many people buy these games. I'm glad I didn't buy this. Like, I, I'm enjoying it, but I'm enjoying it as a rental. It is not a game I would play through more than once. It's, it's I'm pushing myself a little to beat it, because I'm sort of curious about it. Yeah. But it, it's a kind of a beautiful train wreck. I mean, the main reason I'm still playing it is because it's so weird. That's not a great reason, you know? That's not a really strong motivation. It, it is so, I'm kind of like James on The Last Remnant here. Like, I want to finish it. I'm not totally sure why I want to finish it, but I do plan on finishing it. But I'm not going to come out of this saying Metal Gear Solid 4 is like one of the best games on the PS3. No, it's, it's one of the most technically impressive games on the PS3. I don't really think it's a very good game at all. I think it's kind of ridiculous. It's stuck in the early 90s in terms of design, I think, in terms of gameplay. But look, Metal Gear is not about gameplay. That's the very clear message that 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 we're getting here. And, you know, I'm a gameplay guy. All right, moving on. Um, I did play a bit of a, a Wii Sports Resort and Wii Fit Plus this week, and, and what I want to talk about is Woohoo Island. Because, Woo-hoo. you know, this was something that Miyamoto talked about back at E3, that they were creating this island, that they wanted it to be kind of like a character. And I feel like, as I continue to play these games, it really is sort of taking on that character facade to me. 
And one thing, the one thing I wanted to bring up is that if you have Wii Sports Resort and you know, and you kind of like the way the island looks, and you like, especially flying the plane, really makes you kind of fond of of that location and all the crazy things that are going on. I think it's well worth your while to check out Wii Fit Plus because they've added the the cycling, which I mentioned before, is actually pretty good, where you steer with the remote and you just kind of march on the balance board to to pedal. It's untimed. It's very sort of laid back. That's a really nice chance to explore the island. And also the chicken suit game. Oh, no. It's weird because the first beginner, the beginner level of it is mostly over the water. So, you know, I didn't think too much of it. But as I played more of it, I unlocked advanced and then eventually expert. And in particular, expert. John is a chicken suit expert. <laughs> that's right. The expert of chicken suit in, in Wii Fit Plus is all over the island. So you're actually seeing locations that you know from multiple games that you're flying over. And the other thing is the expert uh, level has like something like 30 or 40 platforms that you can land on. And you don't have to go to all of them. It's, it's very free-roaming, kind of do what you want, which is a very different feel from the first couple. Um, so I'd say if you already have Wii Fit Plus and you haven't unlocked that yet, you should really try to unlock it because... It feels quite a bit different, and you can play it. I mean, I played it today. Uh, one round on on the expert chicken suit game lasted nine minutes, oh, and God. I could have gone longer. Wow. I could have gone longer. My arms actually. would hurt. Oh, they were. Uh, that's why I stopped. Oh, I was good, getting yeah. tired. Yeah, I was getting tired. Well, that's why you're. That's why you're the chicken suit expert, and I'm just the beginner. <laughs> right, right. But it's it's really cool actually to. Uh, it just all brings it back to Pilot Wings, you know, where you had these different vehicles, these different mini games, but they're all in the same location. And you know, flying over the over the island in your gyrocopter or whatever has a very different feel than using the jetpack or skydiving and seeing it all zoomed out and then getting closer. And you know, they have all these different modes that you can do that take you to different parts of the island and do different things and see them from different perspectives. It's really nice, actually. So does that sort of hold over to the super awesome Segway tour? Yeah, a little bit, but the Segway is just so lame. It's just Yeah, not... I just, like, I'm trying to find some appeal in that besides marketing there, money. Like, that's the only thing I can come not... up with. It's really, I mean, it's it's neat, but I've been on a real Segway. It's way more fun. Yeah. And, and even that is not as exciting as It's not that much fun. Think. I mean, it, it's fun for, like, 20 minutes and then it's like okay. right it's very it's kind of a very utilitarian kind of a vehicle anyway it doesn't go fast it doesn't turn tight no, it doesn't no it doesn't it, you can't tip it over that's the point so <laughs> it's not it's not that it's exciting proof basically yeah and they've actually made it less exciting in the video game so <laughs> awesome. yeah I, I don't recommend the segue a whole lot but the cycling <laughs> actually works really well um and that is surprisingly fun I haven't tried the cycling in resort. I'm kind of, I kind of don't want to, from what everybody has said. No, you don't. It's not fun. <laughs> it is, it is the antithesis of fun. It is. Yeah. It's mega fun. So there you go. That's my update on those. John, how about your update? All right. Let's see. Well, uh, you asked me about Modern Warfare, Warfare 2. Uh, I have not picked up Modern Warfare 2. I think that's going to be a shock to everybody. Update. As John I am. does not have this game. <laughs> yes. Alert the press. New business. Um, Games I don't have. <laughs> my new, my non-business. <laughs> um, so have you gotten? So John, have you gotten uh, my baby's first steps yet? Um, that's. Uh, I just ordered it from Amazon today. I look forward awesome. to uh, awesome. learning. DS or how Wii to version? Which one? Raise my child. What? <laughs> DS or Wii? Which one? Come on. Uh, I'm doing the Wait, Wii that's one. That's a I game. The... My baby's first steps is a video game. Yes, yeah, so we got a press release about it this morning. No, you haven't it... seen the, the whole picture. This is this is the uh, this is the game that includes a doll, a 
a yes. an infant doll that you put your Wii remote yes. into. And uh, for the life of me, I can't figure out exactly what you actually do with it. Like what? Like wh- what does the Wii remote do inside of the doll? I don't know, but I told Zach I'd pay him cash money for a video review. I mean, does it rumble? Does your baby <laughs> vibrate when it's hum- when it's hungry or something? I don't know. But uh, yeah, I, I I told him there was at least twenty bucks in it for him if he could secure a copy and do a video oh, review. God. Yeah, I, I'm gonna work on getting a copy of that because I I want oh, somebody my. somebody has to check it out. Oh my god! Think, you know, things like this really make me think we has jumped the shark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's just like nobody touched that email except for John and I, who both at the same time decided the whole staff needs to be reminded this game exists. I pointed out at the time that Southbeak, who, who make, who's the publisher of this game, actually exists in the same shopping center where, or office park where I go to get my teeth cleaned. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you should really pop in there and pick up a copy of this. Just, hey, guys. Awesome. <laughs> So, whoa, how did how did we even get on this? Um, John, wow. so you did not get Modern Warfare 2. I didn't, no. James didn't. I planned to get it later. Actually, I mean, the, the original Modern Warfare, I actually got that for Christmas one year. I didn't, it was, because I've never really been a fan of the whole Call of Duty franchise. But, you know, I, pretty much I read all the reviews for Modern Warfare, which were stellar, and they're stellar for Modern Warfare 2. But I think it's a stellar game. I mean, I loved it. Yeah, it's a great game. I love um, it. But I haven't played it in a while, but I, I do think it's fantastic. The thing is, I just don't think that Modern Warfare 2 is going to... I mean, it's not going to blow me away with something new. It's just going to yeah, be I mean, something. It is what gonna, it is. Yeah, it is what it is. So, so it wasn't really high on my list to get. But uh, uh, I've been playing some more DJ Hero, and just Uh-oh. a couple more kind of thoughts on that. Wait, hold on. In rhyme form or in prose? No, this is just going to be in prose. <laughs> Are you kidding? Okay. See, from now on, see, I give you, I give you one for free, and then from there, then on, you got to pay me. You know, <laughs> Daddy has to pay for the Maybach, man. Come on. Check not in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I've been playing a little bit more DJ Hero. A couple of things, it's it's interesting with any games like Guitar Hero, you know, Rock Band or anything like that. After you play them for a while, you kind of start to see sort of, you know, the weaknesses in it. You know, what, like I, I remember when I first got Rock Band, I was like, oh my God, this is the best game ever. And then, you know, after playing it for quite a quite a while, you kind of start to see its weak parts. You realize the guitar is a piece of shit and the, the kick yeah. pedal is really hard to hit on time. Yeah. Well, that's why you got to get the premium edition, obviously. <laughs> but of course, by that time, they already have you roped in with $300 <laughs> worth of equipment. Um, What's that? Right. The game's flawed? Well, go get the premium kit. God. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I mean, just some of the things that, for example, the the mashups, you know, they, they're actually, I think they advertise something like 93 songs or something like that. But the kind of catches with that is that they will mix the same song or use the same song in like five different mixes. So, you know, Daft Punk is fairly prominent in that game. So you'll see like, you know, something like Daft Punk around the world when you're playing through career mode. It's like, you know, around the world mixed with this, around the world mixed with that, around the world mixed with this other song. That that could kind of go either way. I mean, that could feel really stale or it could be really cool in that you're kind of seeing how versatile the song is or you're kind of looking at it in a different way with each mix. So I guess it depends on how good the mixes are. Yeah. And they kind of vary in quality. Like there's there's a couple of them in there. Like I think there's one with uh, Third Eye Blind and... Uh, I want you back by the the Jackson Five, and wow. it's just what? it's just okay. a terrible mix. It's terrible, mm. and you keep playing it over and over again. And it's just brutal. 
but yeah, that's that's the whole thing. But you get kind of tired of seeing the same song, like, and sometimes you'll play like like in a certain set list. They do have an actual like Daft Punk set list, and there's like seven or eight Daft Punk songs, and it's kind of it's a bit too long actually. It takes you a while to get through it. But well, you know, obviously you should just get all Kojima on this and just enjoy it for all the Daft <laughs> Punk you get. Yeah. Just just imagine that Daft Punk has kidnapped the president. It'll yes. Be fine. <laughs> but yeah, so you know that's that's kind of one of the drawbacks. I find it would be nice if maybe instead of using a song four or five times, they could maybe use it twice, and make both mixes mm-hmm. really good. Right. <laughs> but if two mixes are good, fourteen mixes must be better. <laughs> now, have you tried the online stuff? That's see, that's one of the things I haven't uh, actually. I tried to get online. I couldn't find another player, which I thought was kind of weird. But my one complaint is that. The Wii uh, DLC has actually been delayed until November 24th. <laughs> when I mean, it's already out for the 360 and PS3, and I have no idea why it was delayed for the Wii in particular, but I guess on the 24th they'll have kind of two updates worth of content. So I can't tell you what the, what the DLC out. downloads are like at all. So next time you talk to John, he will have paid $400 worth of DLC. Well, <laughs> he will be completely surrounded in expired glow sticks. Well, see, that's a kind of, that is one of the one of the brilliant things I will say about this game, though, is that with Rock Band and Guitar Hero, you're just getting a song. You know what it, you know. You know what it sounds like. There's nothing really unique about it. But with these mashups, because they're exclusive mashups that have never been released before. There's kind of that extra incentive to sort of, ah, well, you know, that sounds like it could be cool. You really don't know if it's good or not. So they don't offer right. any way of previewing what this thing sounds like? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure they have a preview function in the uh, Wii version. Yeah, they I don't, might. Yeah. They well, might. I mean, of course, if you wait any short amount of time, they'll all be on YouTube anyway, so you can... That is true. <laughs> Just yeah. wait it out. Yeah, people do pirate everything. No, on I get YouTube, what you're so. saying. I mean, you're kind of buying original content in this yeah. case because of the mashups. It's it's not like you're buying that Almond Brothers song that you've been hearing since you were three. Yeah, jo- Johnny going straight back home for this one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, sorry. I mean, I have all the Almond Brothers songs for the music games. Midnight Rider, baby. <laughs> I ain't gonna let them catch me. I knew no. it. What? <laughs> I didn't even finish the word you're gonna you sing, and he's already started. Hey, oh, that's classic, man. Uh, Mention a song, so, John's it's, gone. It's yeah, over. For me, it's all about the blue sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish I could download Jessica from Guitar Hero 2, because that's an amazing song, and I miss it. I miss it. That's, just, that's the one that got away, I guess. I'm, yeah, I miss it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I'm kind of, like, seeing some of the kind of, you know, kind of weaknesses i guess in it but i mean overall it's still it's still really good um i'm curious to see how it plays when i play somebody online also another thing um that i have yet to try out is you can play you can have one person playing guitar while you are cutting it up kind of thing so in certain uh set lists like i think there's there's one that's all um mixes of like rock songs and hip-hop songs and so they have somebody there playing guitar with you and if you want, you can get a friend in there, and so they can sit there. And on one side is the, you know, the record for the the scratching coming down, and then there's on the right hand side there is the typical Guitar Hero highway with the Guitar Hero notes coming down. Do you have a Wii guitar? Uh, it's on the way. I do not have okay. one as of now. Oh, he's but... already he's already built into this thing. Well, that's the thing. I'm I'm also getting Band, uh, band Hero. I'm doing the review oh, of that oh. because I figured okay. I could oh, use boy. the guitar. Because you're a Taylor Swift fan, aholic. Absolutely, man. I mean, can't you tell? Deep into John's psyche. It's Taylor. I mean, dude. So, 
is that uh, that's all your new business? Right? Yeah, the one thing that that is interesting, I keep forgetting to play it, is I have the God of War three demo, but. I'll have to save that for next week. But <laughs> well, episode two of games I'm not playing. Well, that's the thing. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to play through all the like the review copies first rather than yeah. get. Uh, he's a responsible adult. I am, man. I'm trying to turn over a new leaf here. All right, so just and demos, shut up. you know, because you you didn't pay for demos. Sometimes it's a little easier to let them sit there for a while. Yeah. Um, and and do other things. I mean, I know I had the Valkyria Chronicles demo on my PS3 for like two weeks. Mm-hmm. Didn't touch it. And finally booted up yesterday, and holy shit! I mean, it it's very impressive, and especially with strategy stuff being on my mind with Shining Force. You know, I've heard you can get that game super cheap because it was a massive flop. Well, yeah, you can get it at Walmart. It's like twenty bucks. Yeah. Oh, dude, I that's uh oh. I mean, it's already in Spyborg's territory. Yeah, that she will be mine. Okay, because that demo is really, really impressive. All right, well, that's going to do it for New Business. We're going to take a break and be back with your listener mail. We're going to catch up here. And, uh, of course, Retroactive, we're pushing it off until later when, you know, hopefully we can have everybody back. And uh, and also we want to give ourselves and you a little bit more time to uh, play the game. So we'll be back in a sec. Here's a quick look at the best original content at our website, now playing at NintendoWorldReport.com. While all of you Nintendo fans are waiting for new Super Mario Bros. Wii, we figured we'd keep you busy with a full slate of reviews, along with some blogs and other goodies thrown in for good measure. For reviews this week, on Wii, there's Excitebike World Rally, The Secret Saturdays, and The Hardy Boys, and for the DS, we have Nostalgia and The Wizard of Oz. We also have new blogs from Zach Miller and Pedro Hernandez. Zach expresses his love for Primal Rage, while Pedro waxes nostalgic about the Simpsons arcade game. The newscast team also returns with another episode, filling you in on what happened on the Nintendo newsfront in the past two weeks. Also look for another Metaverse developer diary, and plenty of Nintendo news from across the globe. We'll see you next week! everybody it's time for listener mail and james has the first letter jed sexington writes hi guys long time listener ever since episode 30 long time reader ever since the dolphin coverage but i'm not a forum user i haven't written since episode 103 when johnny was hawking his magic the gathering cards on ebay i was the one who almost bought them how's life without mtg going for you johnny you want to answer the man oh it's fine it's fine it's fabulous that's some head gold right there. It's fine. I'm getting a lot more... <laughs> <laughs> strike that from the record. Uh, Your Honor, strike that from the record. <laughs> Speaking of 103... Oh. <laughs> In a recent episode, there was a brief MMO discussion. I've been on and off player of Ultima Online for 10 years now. Have any of you ever played it before? Lindemann, I'm looking at you. No, I've not. Then he can stop looking at you. <laughs> no, I mean anything against it. I just haven't. I haven't played it. 
I've not been around that long. Ten years, man. Ten years. Yeah, that's actually yeah, it's pretty much the one of the oldest MMOs in existence. I mean, you can get into some debate with that, but in terms of what we consider to be the modern MMO, that's pretty much the first one. And and just to bring bring it back to Nintendo, do you ever see an MMO in Nintendo's future? Oh, that's fabulously inconsistent. So, okay, thanks for the letter chat. Thanks for listening and reading for so long, and I'm, I apologize for James' rendition of your letter. <laughs> Shut up, his name's Chad Sexton. I can do what I want. <laughs> I, I think it's an interesting question as to whether Nintendo would ever do an MMO. So, you know, we've talked for years about Pokemon RPGs and Pokemon MMOs and stuff like that. I don't know if they'll ever go down that route. It would really depend. Well, the thing is for Nintendo, it's all about barrier of entry. So, mm-hmm. well, how, and- so how high can they build it before they decide it's okay <laughs> all right, you to need go your, you ahead need, with the You project. need your buddy's friend code for his Wii and his game and his DS version of the game. <laughs> yeah, True. and you have one of those keychain things with a number that changes every two minutes, and you have to look <laughs> down at that and type it into the game. You've got 36 seconds to get all 37 characters in. Can you do it? Yeah, so I feel like... Nintendo will do something like this probably sooner than we think. Well, maybe not on Wii, but maybe on the next system. But I feel like they're going to do it Nintendo's way. And I, I feel like they're going to try to do something really... It'll probably be, be really cool, but I feel like it'll be very Nintendo in implementation, in tone, and it'll probably be something that a lot of people will probably debate whether it even qualifies as an MMO. Yeah, so the Wii Speed it, it'll have certain key elements from what you'd expect from those games, but it won't be World of Warcraft. It won't be people running around stabbing rats or ganging up to kill a giant dragon that takes six hours to beat. It, it won't have any resemblance to that. Animal no. Crossing is what you're telling me. Animal Crossing is would be a very good way to do it. But, I mean, you think about Nintendo being such a profit-driven company and everything. I mean, they got to look – I mean, everybody says you look at World of Warcraft and it's so lucrative that you have to think about trying to compete with That's it. That's a subscription model. And well, Nintendo is avowedly anti-subscription for this kind of stuff. World of Warcraft well, is profitable because it's World of Warcraft. If you're trying to go up against mm-hmm. World of Warcraft, you're an idiot because it's like trying to out-Star Wars Star Wars. Right, and well, okay, I'm not saying Nintendo's going to try to out do World of Warcraft. Well, that's that's. I, I, I know I they they're... won't, but I'm just saying that a lot of companies have said, "Well, hey, look at look at you know the 11 million people that play World I'm of Warcraft." I'm looking at you, Conan Online. Yeah, I mean, I can make that money too. No, you can't because you know what? All the people that want to play World of Warcraft and those types of games, guess what? They're already playing World of Warcraft, and they're not going to pay right. to play your game. And they've already established all their stuff they want in that game. Yes. I, I can see Nintendo saying, "Okay, obviously they've tapped into something in the human psyche with World of Warcraft." And Nintendo's saying, let's do Blue Ocean here. Let's go wider than World of Warcraft. Let's do something that adopts some of the ideas there. Let's use what we can out of that, but go after a completely different market and make the game about different things. Massively multiplayer online brain training. (laughs) Hey, dude. That's, could, I, I'm not taking anything off the table. I know. I'm not, I'm not um, saying that's not a possibility. I'm saying it's it's on the extreme end of what they might do. Yeah, yeah. I can I can actually see that. I mean, if you look at stuff like Check Me Out channel and Everybody Votes. Yeah, I mean, part of this part of this is what do you define as an MMO exactly? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, if if yeah. you're strictly talking about something like World of Warcraft. No, they're not going to do that, but maybe something like Pokemon? It could be. Animal Crossing makes more sense to me than Pokemon, even. And, and Animal Crossing is pushed more in that direction, probably, 
yeah. lately. And they've already gone online with it twice. I mean, it's really mm-hmm. just a matter of time before they decide, okay, how tough do we want to remain on the friend code issue? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Iwata lately has been saying he really likes the, the idea of the Amazon Kindle, which, John, you've talked about before. You, you, do you still own it? Yeah. Do you still use it? Yep. You still own it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been thinking about getting the Barnes & Noble version. Um, the Nook. Yeah, we'll see if I can afford it this holiday season. But he, he likes that idea because the you know it has like a 3G data connection built in. Yes. But you're paying for a basically the, the cost of a lifetime subscription to that data service is included in the device. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to pay a, a monthly fee. There's no service plan for it. And he's saying, you know, we're kind of looking at that in terms of maybe our next portable system. I think it's brilliant. You know? Yeah, it is. Because, he acknowledges in that discussion, and it was kind of it kind of made more news than it probably should have. But uh, he acknowledges in that discussion that you know that the added cost is an issue they have to deal with, and that mm-hmm. while it would be quote an accessibility option because in Awada's land, ninety percent of the population can't access a Wi-Fi network. <laughs> yeah, well, and moreover than that, you're not always at a hotspot. Yeah. So that's the appeal of it, I think, is more the portability of it. Yeah. That you can literally use it really anywhere there's a cell phone tower, which is virtually anywhere in the world at this point. Yeah. In, in the civilized world. So whereas Wi-Fi hotspots are much more localized. Yeah. You know, they're, much, they're very short range. You have to go to some restaurant or somebody's house that you know who will give you the code. It's a pain in the ass. So, you know, the DS does hotspots. It hasn't really worked out the way they expected it to, I think. No. Because... No. People aren't always at a hotspot, and if when they are, they're probably at work or school where they don't necessarily have their DS with them. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't have time to play games there. They go home, they have other games. They don't you know they won't play their consoles even though they have a hotspot at home. So I think having a built-in 3G, hopefully 4G by that time, data connection that you can access virtually at any time, all the time, that's kind of automatically on. I think that's really brilliant, and it's probably something they can do affordable if you look at the volume of portable systems that Nintendo sells, which is, you know, orders of magnitude over anything like an Amazon Kindle. Yeah. So they can probably negotiate a pretty good price for that and, and make it not a significant uh, upcost for, for the From a business consumer. perspective, I'm curious how many partners Amazon had to negotiate with in order to provide universal coverage. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I don't know. It's I mean, you know, I mean, they're, they went with Sprint. So, for example, the, the, the Kindle is still not out in Canada. And you can't just buy one and take it over to Canada because it wouldn't have any cell phone service. <laughs> it won't work. Damn. It, it, it's it's a very interesting prospect. It's just it's some time off before all the kinks are worked out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing is, I could, I could see them also liking that because they could also restrict content too, you know? Oh, right. well, hey, you can't use this outside of the U.S., so you're guess what? You're only going to get U.S. games. Right. So the other, the other, the reason I brought up that sort of built-in wireless connections, I think not only does it enable something like a portable MMO, which I think is more likely for Nintendo. Yeah, I, I think agree. it's more likely they would do a portable MMO than a console MMO. The other thing is, you talked about the, the issue of subscriptions. Of course, not all MMOs have subscription fees, but most of the good ones do. Right. And one of the things is that if you make the access to it consistent and free, more or less free to the consumer, then maybe you can get away with charging a subscription fee because people don't have to worry about paying a $90 iPhone bill or, you know, whatever. So, I mean, you know, once once you've got the connectivity down and that's just taken for granted, maybe now you can sort of 
monetize the subscription fee without breaking people's uh, wallets. I don't think there's any way that Nintendo is ever going to charge a subscription fee. No, they they would come up it's with. It's not going to happen. I don't a, think a third party gonna... might, but Nintendo yeah, a third wouldn't. party would definitely. Well, they did it on Satellaview. Yeah, but that was that was a long time ago. ago. A long, it was a long time. I know it was Japan, and, and it was and, a, yeah. and it was a failure too. But yeah, but I I I don't think it's beyond Nintendo to charge subscriptions. I mean, they were going to charge a subscription for the uh, 64 DD. That was uh, the whole the whole Randnet thing. I mean, that that was not that long ago. So. <laughs> it was a dumbass idea, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the direction I think Nintendo would take would be to you know have it completely free to play, and then if you want extra items for your character, you you pay for it with Wii points. Oh, or, it, it's it's or the, DSI uh, points. It's like the cash premium shop style, premium kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, and you see a lot of MMOs doing that now. Like um, a lot like, of Korean uh, MMOs do that. Yeah. I don't think they're going to go that route, though. I think a more Nintendo approach to it is to do more like expansion packs where you pay basically for a full-price game that sort of adds on to the experience that you were already having. That way they can sell it at retail, and you know they can sort of make it an event when one of these is released rather than here's a hat for so, 50 cents. So Planetscape style where they basically sold add-ons to continue to fund the game, and then you wound up with like, the haves and have-nots. Right, or I mean, that's how WoW does it. You know, they don't they don't really do microtransactions, or at least not currently. Very, and, very small. You know, they of them. every every year they release a big fifty, sixty dollar expansion pack, and they make a lot of money doing that. And they, they they can make it a big deal when they do. They can put a lot of stuff into it. Everybody goes crazy. It haves and have nots, and there's a lot of peer pressure to pick it up. So to me, that's more of a Nintendo thing. And also, when you do that. You don't have to build um, credit card stuff into the game, which Nintendo is probably not that keen on doing. You still make someone go to the store and do Can it. Can you buy um? I don't have a, a DSI. Can you buy DSI shop points from the DSI itself? Yes, yeah, you, you can. can. Yeah, you just put in Visa, Mastercard. So they could they could monetize it through that kind of system. Okay, well we should move on. Interesting question though. Hopefully we gave you some ideas to uh, get excited about. So Dan writes, do you think that the Motion Plus will spur interest in the Classic controller or in Nintendo releasing the Classic Pro in the U.S.? The Motion Plus kind of removes the flip it on its side and it's an NES controller aspect of the Wii Remote, which is used for a number of games. I was sitting down to play some Fire Emblem Radiant Dawn this weekend and found that it was really handy to have the Classic controller so I didn't have to remove the Motion Plus or its controller sleeve. Do you think Nintendo might consider releasing Classic Pro bundles, possibly with new Super Mario Brothers, if they sell enough Motion Plus and Motion Plus game bundles like Sports Resort? Or is Nintendo cutting their losses with a Classic Controller in the U.S.? Interesting question here, because I've been playing Shining Force 2 with my Wii Remote with Motion Plus in it, NES style, and it doesn't really bother me. I mean, I have pretty big hands, so having that extra width there doesn't really bother me, but... But you can always take it off. I mean, it's not that hard to take them off, put it back on, either. I mean, Right, mm-hmm. but I, I don't even have to bother with that. I mean, I just leave it on. Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying. It's, it's not like it's a big deal to click off. Did we determine if this was coming with uh, Monster Hunter? Well, I mean, that's the presumption. Yeah. We don't know, for sure. I, I, th- I don't think it, this itself would spur... The desire to release it, because yeah, I don't really think they have anything to do with each other. Right, I don't think Motion Plus is really connected to the classic controller. It may for Nintendo determining how much they can continue to charge and milk the accessories market. Yeah, <laughs> no, I don't think it's going to affect that either. <laughs> but yeah, mo- the Motion Plus thing—I don't know. I would say just leave it on there. Um, maybe you can find a different way to hold the remote so it's comfortable. But 
I always found before Motion Plus that the remote was kind of uncomfortable to hold sideways because the you know the D-pad was better positioned than the one and two buttons. So the adding the extra length to it actually makes it it kind of evens it out for me and it feels a little more natural than it did before. So I guess to each his own. But um, if if using the classic controller when it is supported feels better to you, then go ahead and do that. Otherwise, just uh, just pull the Motion Plus off. Or keep a remote handy that doesn't have a Motion Plus in it, and that way you can just use that one whenever you uh, are playing such a game. That seems like the best solution. All right, John, you got the next question. Okay, uh, TJ Spike from Rochester, New York writes, Is there a chance you guys could bring back your virtual console recommendations? You used to do this every week and say whether you think the game is for everyone, just for fans, or should be avoided. With Virtual Console now being one, or sometimes two per week, it wouldn't take too much effort. If you did three games, you could even go through the backlog of VC games you haven't done. I used to love this feature. Um, The problem with Virtual Console stuff is mainly uh, monetary more than anything else, just because you really don't get any gifting of those, typically, any of the Virtual Console stuff, so... Pretty much we would have to pony up for that, which over the course of weeks, months... 52 weeks a year. It's very expensive. <laughs> I mean, just think if you have to buy out of pocket every single thing on virtual console every week. I mean, you're spending $25, $30 a week, and it's on tough. crap, mostly. Yeah, and, and the thing is on top of that, too... On you Ninja know, Warrior. Yeah, that's the thing on stuff that's just... China Warrior, pardon me. Pretty crappy. So <laughs> so that's the whole thing. I wish I wish that there was some way to actually have a look at these games other than straight out buying them, but... Yeah, I agree. And the the other thing is that with, with WiiWare, you know, when WiiWare first started, there weren't that many of them, mm-hmm. and so we could kind of continue. But obviously, especially in 2009, the WiiWare releases have dominated virtual console releases. Yeah. yeah. Those are brand new games, and so... In terms of resources, both time and and money from the people on the staff, there we give a higher priority to WiiWare games because they're new, because they bear reviewing more. Mm-hmm. The virtual console stuff, you can probably just go look it up somewhere and find out what other people think about it. And I'm not saying that those recommendations aren't worth doing, but if you have to choose one or the other, it's it's a lot easier to justify doing WiiWare reviews than it is virtual console recommendations. Mm-hmm. I wish we could do both. It wouldn't be hard to go Google and say, oh, China War is a piece of trash. Or at least it was back when it came out. I bet it still is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I used to do a, a lot of those recommendations, and I enjoyed doing them. But it, it was tricky because, I mean, you know, I pretty much paid for all those myself. Every now and then we'd get a, a few uh, points from Nintendo and you know, Windy Man or whoever would send me a few of them, but I spent hundreds of dollars on virtual console games that I didn't even really want. Mm-hmm. Oh. You know, I downloaded them so I could recommend them, and that's why I now have 80, 90 games on my SD card. Mm-hmm. And most of them I'll never play again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because I was doing a lot of recommendations, and it's just very hard to ask people to do that. Yeah. So that's a big reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I mean, if you look at even the uh, professional sites like IGN, I mean, most of them, as far as I know, they actually they buy those games. They yep. go out and they get Wii Points cards, not from Nintendo. They actually buy them. They, they probably find ways to buy them in bulk, I would imagine. Yeah, but they're still paying for them out of pocket, effectively. Oh, yeah, definitely. And the other thing is IGN actually hires freelancers to do their virtual console reviews because the people on staff don't have time. Yeah. You drop five bucks on the game, get paid 15 for their review. You know, <laughs> probably a little more than that, but yeah, and those still usually come weeks late, and they still don't review every single virtual console game. Mm-hmm. 
there are places that do. Maybe Nintendo Life might do all of them. I'm not sure. I know they do all the WiiWare games. That's their specialty. So, All right, well, James has the, the next email, potentially from the same person as the previous one. Possibly. Or if not, it's yeah. freaky coincidence. Yeah. Tom from Rochester, New York, writes, Hey, I just want to be sure you guys saw the shout-out you guys on the Nintendo channel. The video is called Madden NFL 10 Accolades Video. The first quote they show says, Madden NFL 10 Wii separates itself from the rest of the pack. Nintendo World Report. Congrats! Yeah, it's always nice when we see stuff like that. It is pretty cool mm-hmm. um, to they, go on something like that. Did they list who official. actually is the quote E, or did they just say the site? I think Neil. Neil is Neil. the one that did that review. Yeah, he wrote the review. It's a really good review. It actually made me um, a lot more interested in that Madden game than I was originally. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, Neil wrote the review, but it's pretty standard, unless the person who wrote it is super famous, like maybe Casa Cena, or like in movie reviews, you'll see Roger Ebert or whatever, but if it's not someone who's pretty much a household name, they'll usually just list the media outlet, Mm. which is what what was done in this case. That's very common. So it's not a slide against Neil. It's because the average person doesn't know who Neil is they might know who Nintendo World Report is, and so that's why they list it that way. Yeah, we've had a couple of those, though. I mean, I know Zach had, uh, I forget which game it was, but he got quoted for something. Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. Used to be magazine ads. Were yeah, the you've been on the back of the box, haven't you, Johnny, for something? <laughs> yeah, I think I was on the box for Cubivore. I know I was in a magazine <laughs> ad for it. Nice. And I'm on the, I'm, I've got a quote on Chris Kohler's book. Nice. It's pretty sweet. I sh- I can, and that's cool because I have a copy of it. I can show it to people when they come over. I, I would have cut that magazine ad out and like bought and shadow boxed that cube before. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm on the box for um for Puzzle Quest, the PC version. I'm on the box for that. Nice. Yeah, I've shown people that in the in the store too, which is pretty cool. <laughs> that's pretty funny. You walk into a store. Hey, look, I'm on the back of the box. <laughs> Whatever. You're full of shit. No, I really am. Oh, okay. I would just bring that shit to job interviews. Look at this. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, my name, again, just in the, as in this case, my name isn't actually on the box, but it says Nintendo World Report. Yeah. Yeah. And I can I can prove it pretty quickly when we get to the internet. <laughs> yep. But, you know, hey, I mean, look, it's a, it's a yay us letter that, you know, sorry, yay. that's why I put it in there. Mm-hmm. It's yay us. But it is really, really cool to see that. And it's nice. It makes you feel like... You know, publishers are, and developers are actually reading the stuff that you write for the site, and it's really good. It gets our name out to people who otherwise might never have heard of us before. So, well, what's what? It's really good. Yeah, what I think is funny about it too is that a lot of times, like you know, you just feel like you're kind of just almost like shouting into the void, and you're just sort of writing, and nobody's really reading what you're writing. <laughs> Don't buy this game. It's yeah, you know, it's like interesting <laughs> to just kind of see like the words that you write actually have an effect on the world around you because you can kind of right. Just feel like you're in a vacuum sometimes. But One day I'll yeah. review a game that I'll have something to say that the publisher is not ashamed of. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying that won't be COP, the recruit? No. Okay. Uh, no, it won't be. Not unless they take a quote greatly out of context. They are known to take quotes out of context. I, I, yep. might, I might use the phrase, this is the greatest game I've ever played that uses the word head gold. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, the, James's James's actual quote will be, "This game is a great travesty that has been, you know." <laughs> and he'll say, "This is a great dot 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 game." <laughs> That's what they'll actually put on the back of the box. Uh, oh uh, no! I would be I would be incensed. <laughs> the next letter, um, potentially also the same person, Carl from West New York, writes, "Just a quick comment <laughs> regarding the DSi XL." Ever since it has been out, I've been trying to complete Picross DS, but can't. 
not due to difficulty, but due to five pixel tall numbers on the higher density puzzles. Seriously, five pixels? These things are small. My 35-year-old eyes can only handle 10 or so minutes of this at a time. Many, many months ago, I started thinking this might be the last handheld my eyes can handle and would need to stick to a console-only existence from here on out, mostly for games with lots of text. Then I started hoping some of the aging higher-ups at Nintendo were having the same problem as me and would develop a solution to both of our problems. Then a few weeks ago, the miracle and massiveness that is the XL was announced. Awesome. Even if it can only extend my Picross game session to 20 or 30 minutes, it will be worth the price. Again, thanks for the great podcast. So that's a big uh, shove it to uh, Pale. Yeah, Pale wrote that blog post saying saying this is like the dumbest uh, idea Nintendo's (laughs) ever had. I mean... Hey, you know, it's really, it's an interesting product announcement, and obviously it's not really for us, but it's cool that, you know, they're providing something that probably a very, very small part of the market wants, but if people want it, Nintendo thinks they can make money by releasing it, good for them. I mean, Pale's issue was like, yeah, this is not going to make the games look better, and I I think that was pretty obvious to everybody, like, that's not the point of it, it's to make it easier to look at. For people who have bad eyesight, it's almost like they've come full full circle from the Game Boy Micro. <laughs> it's like yeah. they've gone all the way to the smallest end of the spectrum, and now they're coming all the way back to the bigger end of the spectrum. Uh, I, I'm not sure what I'm gonna do with the DSi because I feel like if they don't announce a new DS or a new a new handheld system in the next two or so years, which it seems, or next year maybe even, it might be time for me to to upgrade. I'm waiting for a price drop. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's I don't think there's anything out there to really justify it right now. I mean, there aren't even any downloadable right. titles to really justify it. Yeah, but the the problem is I'm using the old DS and Oh, you you got a fat one? Yeah. Dude, just buy a used light. I don't know. It's DS just... light will rock your face. Just, you know, you can get a used one for 50 bucks. Just go do that, man. Yeah, yeah I just, just I'm just concerned that like I'll go buy a light and then they'll finally release some great thing on the DSi and I'll kick myself well, and go buy it anyway. Sell your light and then get then get a DSi. <laughs> this is this is some kind of crazy bartering system, man. Well, but the thing is, you're not losing anything because all your games are on cards, so your games go with you regardless. Right? Of the system. Yeah. It, what, what I'm you're curious, not losing all your downloads on your fat DS, you know. What I'm what I'm curious about is if they're going to attached to is it. Is if they're going to continue to try to differentiate the market with these DSs? I mean, this is the what the fourth DS iteration in. Five years? Yeah. Well, they're all cross-compatible other than a very select few games like the Guitar Hero stuff. So yes. it's not like – they're not really segmenting the market. They're just trying to expand it. Augment and, it. Augment. Yeah. I don't think there's a whole lot of demand for the DSi XL, but, I mean, obviously they did their market research and they found that there was Well, from there the picture enough. they've shown of it, it is gigantic. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the you know it's like the large print menu at Cracker Barrel. Yeah, it's the one for bears. It's bears. <laughs> it is at the very least as large as the DS Fat. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is it is huge. I'll be really curious to see if it actually makes certain games easier or more difficult to play because it's not just the display that's getting larger; it's the touch screen, and that is your field of control for a lot of games. Mm-hmm. So if you think about things like Uwindon, you know, you're actually increasing the amount of space, or I should say elite beat agents, but you're increasing the distance between notes that you have to tap. Yes. So for some people that might make it easier if they thought the original game was too cramped and too precise. For other people, it might make it more difficult because your hand has to move farther in order to play the game. you got to be quick. So, yeah. It, it, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it's not a purely visual 
change. You know, there's there will be some control effect as well. But it, it's hard to say whether it will be good or bad. Yeah, I, I was curious about that when I realized that they made the screen bigger on the DSi. Yeah, the ch- the change on DSi is so minor that I but, doubt well, anybody has to, noticed. Like, the original DS, it, it is actually a relatively noteworthy change. Because the first time I actually saw a DSi was at an E3 demo. And I was like, the screen's enormous. Because and, 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 if you go back and look at the, the old DS, that screen's tiny. It really is a tiny screen on a giant slate of silver plastic. <laughs> Whereas the DS, the DSi XL... Just looking at it, it is a giant screen on an enormous piece of crimson red plastic. Yeah. It's, I don't know, it looks like a prop from a bad sci-fi movie, to be honest. <laughs> it's I, so huge. Like, I see the appeals being more ergonomic than visual, um, because the, D- the, the DS Lite can get com- uncomfortable for me to hold for long periods of time, because, you know, it's small, my hands are big, right. my wrists are too close together. That was a problem with the SP, it would, I mean, it's a huge problem with the micro when I actually messed around with somebody else's micro. It's like, oh my god, my fingers hurt. They're, it's just, everything's too close together. And that's kind of why I've hung on to the, to the old DS, because it is, for me, except for that ridge of death they put around the edge, it's, it's yeah. comfortable. Uh, so I'm curious if maybe the uh, DSi XL has a form factor that's not crippling, but from the looks of it, <laughs> it'll weigh about as much as a brick. It's about the size of my netbook, so I might as well just carry that around with me. <laughs> there, there, there are some great pictures on, on the Japanese website for it. When, it. when we first saw them, I was like, what the hell? It's huge. <laughs> is, it, is, it a, is there a side-by-side with the, like the DSi, the DS Lite? There, there should be one with it eating, kinda... eating a DSi. <laughs> <laughs> like it just chomping down and on it? And shitting out a, G, a GB micro. <laughs> it's, it, it's big. So this um, is actually an interesting side note. The first time Nintendo's had a different name for a console in Japan in what decades? Uh, yeah, since Super Nintendo. Really. Yeah, it's the DSi LL in Japan. The L Cool J. <laughs> Whatever the hell that stands Aww, for. Oh, it's bad. What? So, okay, let's let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, John has the last letter of the night. All right. Um, let's see. JP from Erie, Pennsylvania, writes, As my life has gotten pretty hectic, I've had to cut back on listening to podcasts, but no matter what, I always find time for RFN. You guys are consistently the best podcast on the web, finding the perfect balance between funny, insightful, and informative. Until this episode. (laughs) Until this (laughs) episode, which will bore you to tears. My (laughs) My question is, if you think we can ever get to the point where a game can be so bad, it's good. I don't know. I think James already answered that at the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> I think, I think every review much. I've ever written for the site handles this question. In other forms of media, especially in movies, certain works can be appreciated, usually in a comedic way, despite being agreed to to being bad. This question specifically relates to the gameplay aspects, not the story elements. Crim's love of Disaster Day of Crisis doesn't count. Whenever, whenever the question of whether the of games are art is brought up, or the discussion never seems to focus enough on how open to artistic interpretation the parts that make a game are which i think is one of the most important aspects of the discussion oh dude metal gear solid i mean we were just talking about this tonight yeah. i mean it's a like the gameplay is arguably kind of shitty and yet people love it mm-hmm. and they know it's shitty and they love it but i don't know maybe that's see, controversial he's, ask, he's but, asking if they love it because it's shitty, though. Well, I mean, and the story, you know, is completely ridiculous. And everybody who loves that game knows the story is completely yeah. ridiculous. And yet, they love it. And 
you know, on the other end of the spectrum, maybe, is stuff like Superman 64, which is really so bad it's good. It's not good, it's so bad it's funny. It's it's the snakes on a plane. It's the <laughs> it's the mega shark versus giant octopus of video games. It is a steaming pile, mm-hmm. and yet I kind of want to say it's worth playing because it's so funny. You know, it is hilariously bad. The problem, and I've played Superman sixty four, and it is fucking hilariously bad. It is. It is so bad. The problem is though that games that are so bad that they're funny are really hard to play. Not just like they're physically hard to play, but it pains you to play them. They're usually just really frustrating. That's the thing. Like with movies. Even if it's really bad, all you have to do is sit there. It's going to keep going. You like, just take mm-hmm. it. It's... If you just wait, you'll get to the end of it at some point. With a game, you really kind of have to force yourself. So I think the closest example I have to this is um, a Dean Chronicles on the N64, <laughs> which is hideously bad. I mean, just unimaginably. And I went back to play it like 10 years later. And I just couldn't get over how terrible it was. And I remember when this was the first game I played, and I said to myself, this is the worst game ever made. Because it, cause it's just awful. Amateurish would probably be the word. <laughs> it's the worst in a crowded field of really bad N64 RPGs. Yeah. It's, it's stunningly bad. Mm-hmm. And, but the problem is, I never had fun with how bad it was, because I wanted to kill myself with the N64's cable while I was playing it. Because yeah. it was just so irritating. Right. I mean, I think, look, Broken Pixels, you know, it's a great podcast. Unfortunately, it's defunct now. But um, if you go to iTunes, search Broken Pixels, they have 20, 30 episodes of guys sitting around making fun of really bad games that are kind of so bad they're good. I mean, and there's a, it's funny because they're not all that way. Some of those games are just terrible. And they're just making fun of them. And then there are some games, like the the Wirehead game. Uh, what was the, James, you brought it up recently, like the Iron Wolf or whatever it was called, Metal Wolf Chaos. Uh, Metal Wolf Chaos. It is like, Richard! It's absolutely insane, but it's not broken, I don't think. No, it, it, it's, it's pretty much your standard from software shoot-em-up. It's just completely insane. Right, so it's playable, but it's it is so bad it's good. And, like... Hey, I think that I think that podcast right there proves that this stuff exists. Yeah, I mean the, the thing is, there's 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 different levels of bad with games. I mean, right. there's games there's there are games that are just broken of bad that have no appreciable yeah. value. But then there's games that are pretty much terrible, functional but terrible. Yeah, I I think for a game to be so bad, it's good. It would have to be basically completely and utterly broken. Like it would have to be not <laughs> just frustrating that you can't play it, but Physically, the game would prevent you from even making active attempts to play it. It would have nah. to just do things that are just like you just fall through the ground randomly. Like, oh, See, there I go. disagree. I disagree. I think I think the best bad games are the ones that basically work. You know, maybe they're just the gameplay is just like really mediocre, but then there are a lot of bizarre things about it that sort of set it apart and give it character that is probably unintentional. Yeah, and I think of things like I mean. It's not totally unintentional, but stuff like Legend of the Mystical Ninja on N64, it's a serviceable 3D Zelda clone. But it's not the gameplay it's not that the gameplay is bad. It's that the game is so freaking ridiculous. And and I think things like Metal Gear like the Metal Gear Solid series. I mean, in terms of gameplay, they're not broken. They're not even terrible. I think they're okay. Well, a game that's like I think a good example would be Zero Wing. With all our base are belong to us. Oh, right. yes. I mean, right. that, totally average. Shoot them up. <laughs> yeah. 
So, so like yeah, life, that's... like maybe like Lifeline on the PS2, where you controlled it with your voice, and it yeah. was just awful. I'm like, that could be a game where the gameplay doesn't work, but yeah. it doesn't work in a way that's hilarious. So like, that's on broken pixels. <laughs> so, so like the character you're trying to control with your voice gets upset with you because she thinks you said something inappropriate. We told her to sit down or something. It's... <laughs> You, you'll never uh, complete that game because you'll stab yourself in the face with the with the sharpened end of the microphone. But <laughs> it's funny while you're playing it. It's interesting. You know, maybe we should throw this out to the audience. If you're listening and you know of a game that is so bad it's good, or if you have some ideas on how to even define that, you know, how do you even scope that argument? Send us an email, uh, rfn at nintendoworldreport.com. You can uh, try to answer this. Help us. To, Figure, figure out this question or, you know, anything else, anything we've talked about today, any, any kind of questions you have for us, anything going on in the industry that you want to hear us comment on uh, foolishly, please uh, <laughs> send those it. letters in. We're really enjoying um, seeing all of your emails and, uh, and trying to answer as many of them as we can. So thank you very much to everyone who wrote in and uh, we'll get to, uh, to more letters. <laughs> Hopefully next Craig time, will be but back next time to save this. As soon as possible. Yes. So uh, we're going to have to wrap up the show here. Like I said, I will be actually gone next week. I'll be in Germany. So um, I don't know what's going to happen with the show. I'm sure it will go on without me. I I don't know who will be here. Um, And then the next week after that will be Thanksgiving, and we haven't decided what's going on with that. So um, remains to be seen. There you go. Uh, Retroactive (laughs) is uh, – Retroactive will will return. Um, I don't Someday. know when. We're probably gonna. <laughs> I don't know if we if we're gonna wait until everybody's back or if we're just kind of kind of plow ahead whenever. But um, we will wrap up Shining Force two soon. So uh, do if you've been playing along. I mean, it's a good game. I really do recommend that. Um, it is. I'm very glad it won. Yeah, I, I'm enjoying it a lot. I'm really glad that I finally got the chance to play it. So. If you uh, if you're playing along, or if if you just decided to play along, um, you know, go to the forum thread and 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 leave some thoughts there. Join the conversation. I've been posting there quite a bit. It's uh, people have you know have some interesting comments. I think it's a, a fairly interesting game to to discuss. So there you go. That forum thread is there, and uh, we will read some more comments out of it when we pick back up on retroactive. I think that's the end of the show, guys. Thanks so much for listening. John and James, thanks so much for being here. Got it. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Stay sexy. So one of them, for example, it was two girls that you helped out in a quest in the first game that looked like strippers, but that's that's regardless... (laughs) <laughs> Together, they have an attack that takes away half the health of all of your your unions. Much like strippers. Yes, exactly. That's herpes, <laughs> and they do it. They do it every three turns. I mean, let's be honest. The story in, in any Metal Gear game is completely asinine bullshit. Yeah, but so, the I first mean, game was not dominated by movies and all that kind of no, stuff the way the later still, games are. It was still asinine bullshit. I oh, mean, yeah. I mean, not... that's kind of part of the charm of the series, in my opinion. I mean, I I think people who really like anime 
really like Metal Gear because yeah. the stories are very similar. They take themselves too seriously. They're overly complicated. They have too many characters with too much backstory. Mm-hmm. They don't explain the things that need to be explained, and they over-explain the things that are obvious. Oh, you know what? I mean, to me, that is uh, that's almost all anime, and that's one reason I don't watch anime. I have no patience for it. Well, you know and, what? Then you'd love Cop the Recruit because it doesn't explain anything <laughs> ever. <laughs> what I love too is I love uh, I love every time like Snake talks to somebody on his his uh, codec. He has to repeat everything they they say to him. You know that oh, guy yeah. will kill you with one with one shot. He'll kill me with one shot. Like <laughs> no, I just said that you bastard. <laughs> it's like by the end of the game, I'm just like, oh my god, Snake, would you stop repeating everything like a parrot? Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that what? Snake is. You want me to stop moron. repeating you like mm-hmm. a parrot? <laughs> like I don't, I don't think that's a, a stretch. What do you think I'm a moron to, uh, to interpret it? <laughs> yeah, well, he's just kind of a. He's just a sponge. Yeah. Like, to me, it's surprising that he has a voice because he's really not much more of a character than Link or Mario. I agree. That's I mean, exactly what I was thinking too. He does come off yeah, as he... an ass sometimes in his conversations, though. So he does have some personality. Like, uh, like the not much. She has a ni- like her commentary on like she has a nice butt. I mean, stuff like that where he just randomly throws out these. Uh, again, he he's a moron. Imagine if, say, he was smart, though. He'd probably be like, why the hell am I doing this? There's got to be somebody else who can... Right. He would never actually... Yeah, there would be no game if he had half a brain. War, what is it good for? They wouldn't be able to shoot him out of the torpedo tube of a submarine, because he'd be like, this is a bad idea. Yeah. Why are we doing this? What are nanomachines? (laughs) Actually, John... I would like to know what the nanomachines are, too. (laughs) I I can stand playing a Metal Gear game Every few years, I think. Yeah, I, I would but agree. It, it just—it's like a weird what? experience every few that you years. Go through. <laughs> yeah, they, they should just call that game "and" or like "and by the way." Oh, and by uh. the way, the president's a, a terrorist clone. Hideo okay. Kojima presents "and by the way," and by the way, yeah, that guy's a clone. And by the way, yeah, that so guy's you, this bitch. guy's dad, but I don't know, sort of his mom. Something happened with her, and somebody got killed. I don't know. And this guy here, by the way, he's a clone of you, although he looks nothing like you. Oh, and, and by he's the way. English, and he leads some terrorists. Oh, and by the way, he's got a nuke and a giant robot to shoot nukes and the president and the secretary of defense and some clone robots. It's like, okay, thanks, thanks Kojima. I'm good. <laughs> right now, Greg is cutting back in from the large cut he just took of 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. So That's right. Welcome yeah. back, everybody. Yeah, it, there should be a picture of it, like, Taking a shit and it has the 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 GB micro sticking out of the shit like a peanut or something. Yeah. So. <laughs> Sorry, Greg, you could just cut that one. That no, was, that no, was for can't. me. That was for me. So this is the. Uh... I took that too far. I know that. <laughs> uh... It's gone too far.